Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I'm interviewing Paul Granger and excited for our conversation today. So thank you and welcome, Paul. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited for wherever this conversation is going to take us. Yes. And I was, I was even looking over your website. Where did you see God? What a, That's a neat, unusual, um, these days, website, because so many of us use our name or use our company name. So kind of tell us about mm-hmm. your journey, even to that and to where you're at yeah. today. Yeah, well, the question comes from a question I was asked way back in maybe 2006. I was serving with a ministry called Urban Promise Wilmington. And up until that point, I had gone to church all my life. I led FCA and Young Life in high school. I went to a Christian mm-hmm. university and I committed to I'm going to be in ministry, right? So by 2006, this is what had been leading up to. And I was sitting at a staff meeting with the other staff of the ministry and the executive director said to me, all right, I'm going to ask a question of all of you. And I want everyone to answer, where did you see God today? And I had absolutely no answer. My, my just blanked. Mm -hmm. And I was convicted because I just told you my resume. (laughs) I should be able to answer a very simple question like that. So what does it mean if I can't? And I realized one of the big reasons was I was coming to God retroactively. I was coming to God if I needed him. And then I was coming to God at the end of the day, like, okay, yeah, what has God been up to? But I wasn't being proactive. I wasn't going into the day saying God is going to be present and active. So how can I look for him? Because when we're looking for something, we're more inclined to see it. If we're not even thinking something's around, we can easily miss it. And so this question, where did you see God became this prompt for me? to be a little more intentional about looking for God in my everyday life. And that went with me through some interesting seasons, some particularly hard seasons, some heavy and heartbreaking seasons, particularly one that I had at a ministry that I worked with. And it was a few years that are probably the lowest mm. uh, period I've ever had in my life that led to me eventually losing that job. Mm-hmm. But this question had been threaded throughout and I've been able to recognize God in the midst of even the hardest spaces, the most confusing spaces, the spaces where how could God even be here? But he was. And so when I lost the job, God gave me an invitation to not rush into employment, not to rush to get a paycheck because I need money. No, he said, I'm your provider. You don't need money. You need me. So trust me with your time. He invited me to take a mini sabbatical. And during that time, I felt an invitation first to public transparency, which I really didn't want to (laughs) do. And then Once I said, okay, to that, he slipped in this other piece of doing a podcast. I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't like podcasts. (laughs) I had young kids, so I didn't have time for either of those. But I felt like God was inviting me not to create the next big thing, not to amass a bunch of followers, but to create a space to process who he is. And I can't remember the moment, but it just was very clear. It was going to be called, where did you see God? And that was three and a half years ago. And I've had the privilege of hearing, oh man, I think I'm working on like the 114th conversation. And I call all of them conversations because interviews can sound like it's an expert talking about an expert thing, but a conversation can just be two people being authentic to who they are. Anybody can be a part of a conversation. So you don't have to feel qualified that your story is amazing enough or that your (laughs) insights are deep enough. Are you honest and real enough? Because when people are honest and real, someone listening is going to hear something amazing in that honesty and that realness much more than the most spectacular point. And so each of those conversations becomes an opportunity to ask that question of where we see God in this story, where we see God in this actual conversation, Mm -hmm. and then where can we see God as we move forward? And so you... um lost your job in that ministry. And I would assume if you, when you lost your job there that you were single and so it was no big deal, kind of not taking a <laughs> paycheck. And, but then you just said, no, we had kids. So you weren't, you yeah. were married and kids, right? Yeah. And, security. That, and, and more than that, not only did, <laughs> uh, so I was married, 
had two kids. My wife was pregnant with our third child at the time <laughs> that I lost my job. Oh, gosh. We were living in the house that we're in now, which God had invited us to purchase a year prior. And we didn't have the money for it, but God made a way and provided for it. Mm -hmm. But we thought the only way we could afford it was if we sold the house that we were living in, which was also a God brought thing. But then God invited us to not sell it. So we also had two mortgages. Oh gosh. My wife and I were on ministry oh. incomes prior to that. Yes. So then you can imagine losing half of our income was um, could have been a frightening thing. But what was so beautiful is God had been so clear, so evident, so present during that hard period that by the time I lost the job, God had given me a heads up that was going to happen. It shouldn't have happened. And I told my wife the day that I lost my job, I it just I just suddenly realized, oh, I think I'm I've been called to this meeting. I think this is a firing meeting. And I went and told her, hey, I might get fired today. She's like, there's no way. You've been there five years. If if there was something you had done wrong, they would have already talked to you about it. If there is something you need to do better, they would create a plan. There's no way they're gonna fire you. And I'm like, no, I, th I think I'm gonna get fired. And so I went into that with this piece that defied understanding. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you what my understanding would have been, because I know what it was. <laughs> As I reached for the door mm -hmm. to this coffee shop, I start thinking, what in the world are they going to say? What, what reason could they give? And then I start thinking about what they might say. And then I start thinking of all the evidence against that and all the programs that I had built up and all the outcomes I had produced. And mm -hmm. I'm starting to kind of build my case. And God's Pretty like, da, 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 da. Yep. this is not about that. Don't protect your job. Don't defend yourself. Represent me well and be who I've called you to be. Wow. And I was able to walk into that space, not as I would have, because right. that would have been the most horrific moment of my working career. But I was able to go in there with a piece. I even, God prompted me to encourage and pray for the two guys. And then I left, like I was smiling that day to the point where my wife was actually legitimately concerned. Like, why are you <laughs> yes, smiling yes. and cracking jokes? <laughs> you just got fired for no reason. I'm like, because God's good. That's <laughs> amazing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but then you're fired and you said you didn't just jump into a new, like yeah. anything for how long? So, so I was, I had the conversation on, August 2nd, 2018. Mm -hmm. And I think my boss was aware that it was not something that should have happened because instead of me being gone immediately, which had happened with other people, mm -hmm. I was able to finish out the month. And he said, hey, if you need a job search during this month, I understand that's fine. But I felt like God was saying, no, don't job search during this time. So I was like, okay. And then that uh, September would have been the start of unemployment, but I felt like God was saying to take a mini sabbatical. So it wasn't until October that I actually felt released to job search. There was a couple of exceptions. That's part of a much longer story. Someone can listen to my podcast if they want to hear that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. But then that was a journey of trusting God, like having the due diligence to job mm -hmm. search, but trusting God to release that, that what God was saying is do not operate out of fear. Do not try to get a job because you need money, because right. you're afraid of what people will think of you, because that was the other piece uh, is yeah. unemployment does not look good. And especially when you were just fired, like I had all these lies baked in that people had said around me not being a hard worker or me not being uh, this, that, or the other, that unemployment kind of builds up. And the guy was saying, don't get a job because of your reputation. Don't do no, 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 no. Just trust me. And I ended up being unemployed for around six months. Oh, wow. That's and we had run the numbers, by the way, the, the money should have been out well before that. During that six months, Christmas happened. During that six right. months, I ended up in the hospital for a week. During that six months, my cat needed dental surgery. During that six months, we had a baby, right? Like <laughs> all these things that even if our money would have made it before, shouldn't have made it through that. Right. Like, we never had to scale back on anything. We didn't scale back Christmas. We didn't scale back like dinner and start eating ramen. Mm -hmm. like, this was the level to which God proved himself as provider, which set me up well, because at the end of that six months, I had a few job opportunities, mm -hmm. a few prospects. I had a few offers. And then I had this one with Youth with a Mission YWAM. Nice. Uh, and this was what was beautiful. The other things were jobs that I had to try to figure out, how do I squish my calling into this job and what yep. has to bleed over into my everyday time? But there were things that I felt like God was calling me to do, like the podcast. Mm -hmm. 
But then there is YWAM where they basically said, look, we're not trying to fill a position. There's no role you're filling. Like we know who you are and how you operate. And we, we want that on our team. Mm-hmm. And your job would be to do whatever God's calling you to do. So it's like the best case scenario yes. with the caveat that YWAM doesn't pay money. Right. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> raises yep. support. It's raising so support. I went from yep. unemployment to living off support. So I haven't had a traditional paycheck since August of 2018. But again, every bill has been paid. I'm talking to you from the house yeah. on a computer with a microphone and yep. headphones. And yep. I ate food today. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are taken care of. And my kids are taken care yeah. of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. And so now you've been with YWAM for, I guess that's what, three, four, four years or so? Three, three, three years. Yeah. And here's where it got crazier. You know, you want to, you want me to go crazier with this? So some people knew me well enough to know that I, I could step into something crazy like this, that I could step into full-time ministry like this. They, they're fine with that. Uh, and people were okay accepting me living off of support because my wife still had a normal job. And so there's at least half normal income. Now, the thing with YWAM is to be on staff, they have this thing called a DTS, a discipleship training school. Mm-hmm. And that is a way to really take five to six months to, to seek God in a very robust way. There's uh, three months where it's like a training school. And then three months you actually go out and do outreach. Normally, as you mentioned earlier, it's young single folks, maybe straight out of high school, straight out of college, <laughs> yep. no attachments. And you could go into all the world, right? You could do that. Yep. It's not common for someone who is grown with a wife <laughs> and kids and a house Mm-hmm. because there's a lot of attachments there. And normally, if there is somebody in that situation, they are all in YWAM together so that they can go together into all the world. But my wife was still working at a job. And when the idea was floated to her of what if we did a family DTS, where it's the whole family does this experience together, that was not on her radar things to what to do <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Top of which is we didn't have the money for it. It would be a significant shift in our lifestyle. We'd have to leave our home for mm-hmm. five months, like all the reasons, all the reasons. So it was a hard no. And so one day I came home and she said, so I was praying and I feel like God says we should do the family DTS, <laughs> which very <laughs> rapidly meant that my wife made the decision to leave her job Whoa. and we all went on this family DTS. So that was her last day was pretty much like almost a year to the day that I lost my job. Uh, and, and we stepped into this adventure again, not having the money because we already shouldn't have had money to live, right. but to go like to travel, to, to go and be in another space. And I mean, there's so many stories I could tell among this, like our ideas of how this would work and then how God laughed because yeah. that was not his ideas moments where we were willing to trust his ideas and he provided miraculously moments where we still stepped in our own ideas and God still worked, but like we missed out on an opportunity to experience him. But in all of it, we had this phenomenal experience that we never could have had otherwise never would have chosen. It's, it's a good example for me of the abundantly more than we could ask or imagine with our family for five months. Then we came home February, 2020, and then the world shut down. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Goodness gracious. The timing of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So did your wife then come back into a job at that point? So that was always the question for her, because while I, for most of my life, knew that I would do ministry, mm-hmm. she had always known she would be a teacher and living off of support wasn't part of what she saw in her plans. Right. And so that was, it was a hard sell for her initially. Um, That was part of the resistance. And when we stepped into it, in her mind, it was not a necessarily a long-term thing, but it was a, let's go year to year. Right. And so the pandemic kind of helped to invite our family to continue another year into like just being a ministry family because it was a pandemic. Right. (laughs) Right. Did she like does she want to be a teacher when we don't even know what school looks like in the fall of 2020? Right. Mm, maybe not. And so yeah. she homeschooled, which she actually loved. It was, it was a beautiful thing. And we served together with YWAM for a period of time, 
But then uh, I guess it was about a year ago, God brought about these pieces that he had actually started to put in play years before with this small new Christian neighborhood school called Imago Day. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen a lot of Christian schools, a lot of great schools that have come about um, through steps of faith. I've been deeply uh, encouraged and impressed by the steps of faith and obedience and cognizance of God and others that Imago Day has exhibited. And she knew if there was anywhere that she would go to work, anywhere that she would teach, like this, this would be the place. And oh, sure yeah. enough, like it's been a phenomenal environment. Uh, nice. for a teacher. It's hard to be a teacher. It's a really hard profession. And they, Imago Day is working hard to honor and protect their teachers well. And so she has been doing that since the fall, which jumping back into full-time after, you know, a few years not doing it, jumping back into full-time teaching after, mm-hmm. I guess it'd been six, seven years since she had done it. It was a, it was a, it was a jump, <laughs> but, but yeah. God has shown up. And so she's now doing that. Our kids are in their respective places. One's in preschool. One is at Imago Day with my wife. And the oldest is at our local school, which has been on my heart to support our local school and, and beautiful to see him be able to do that. And then I am now the on-call parent because my wife is working full time, right? right? So yeah, exactly. I'm the one that if, if the kids get COVID, if they get in touch with someone who has COVID, if it's just your run-of-the-mill sickness, if yep. they're home from school for any reason, right? I'm the guy. So above me, I've got a sign that says holding things loosely. That's been my theme since yes. losing my job in 2018 is whatever my plans are, whatever my desires are, and whatever I think God is calling me to, I take it and I hold it loosely because at any given point, God could invite me to something different mm-hmm. or it could look very different. And if my goal is to pursue the things I'm holding, then I'm going to quickly get misaligned. Right. But if I'm ready to let go of even the best of things as an act of walking towards God, then he's going to show up. So this year has looked nothing like what I had planned. Often wasn't what I had hoped, but it has been abundantly more. Right. And in some beautiful, beautiful ways, God has shown up. And I've been able to recognize if I had gone about things in the way I thought I would have, this would not have happened. Right. Well, that's one of the things that I'm thinking about as you're sharing your your journey is how many people listen to that and then start making it prescriptive for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they hear a person's story or testimony or journey and go, oh, well, then that's what needs to happen for me. Yeah. And so I love the way that you even emphasize that your wife and I weren't, your wife and you were not on the same page. You had different mm-hmm. kind of views, but then also God worked in both of you. My mom and dad, my dad was a physicist and left that and went into the ministry and then one day he comes home from a mission trip and all three of us kids were little and he goes honey we've been called to foreign missions <laughs> and my mom's like this country girl from oklahoma going over my dead body yeah and we did we went to seminary did all that or dad mom and dad did and the next thing we know we we're in costa rica and then chile mm-hmm. but then Fast year, fast forward 10 years later, one day my dad says, I think we're being called back to the States. And my mom was like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Like the journey isn't even that we get the message at the same time, but it's the working things out together as a couple. And so I'm thinking for our listeners to be able to hear that, that it's each person's journey is different. And I would say for some people, yes, it is quit your job. And for this other person, it's no, it's not. It's dig in and do the job. And so we have to be yeah. careful to, to discern and not just mm-hmm. hear stories and go, oh, that's what I should do then. Because I think yeah. it's we, neat we, to see. We like to make things prescriptive because yes, we, we just do. want answers. Yes, we want control. We, we want clarity, right? Yep. That yep. Scripture doesn't promise those things necessarily okay. to us. It, it promises that God will be God and good, that he will be provider and that he's working on abundantly more. He works mm-hmm. for the good of those who love him, right? Mm-hmm. What we want that to be is he works everything to good in the, in the moments that they happen, but he's working for the good, the broader, like he right. sees a wider picture, right? which may have individual moments of hardship or confusion. Right. Or and if you look at Facebook, Facebook and Instagram or snapshots. So like I walked into class yesterday and I was like, cause some of them are, I have them on Facebook. And I was like, if you go to my Facebook and look at last week, it was our spring break. We had a great time as a family that doesn't show you the whole week. 
Yeah. yeah. Because we went and we took the, our, our camper over to Bend, Oregon. We went snowmobiling. We went skiing. My wife never left the RV because she doesn't like the snow. Um, and it was a great time. But then we came back and she cooked dinner and the dinner about killed me. So I mm. basically say my wife tried to kill me that night. And <laughs> I ended up in a Crohn's flare up and I spent three days oh, in bed. No. And it's like, I, we don't post that on Facebook. We don't share right. the, hey, I actually just have a, my Crohn's flared up and I'm now, you know, fighting to kind of get my stuff to work again. And um, yeah. we don't post a picture of, most of us don't, of, you know, laying over a toilet, throwing up. Right. And it's like, that's the journey. Yeah. It's that, not the best picture. It doesn't no, get a lot not. of likes. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, we post the good stuff. And so it's the whole ups and downs. To me, one of the yeah. beauty of marriage is you're doing that with a partner, which means you got to be able to dig in even tighter when things are hard and how many couples can't do that, that actually breaks them. And so it sounds yeah. like to me, your journey as a couple has, has done a number on your, even your marriage. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think a journey is the right word to use because that's not what the movies tell us. The movies tell us that you get this warm and fuzzy feeling for a person. They also get it. Like it's a collab. We at the same time get this. And then it's just, we just know, and then you yeah. get married and then it's beautiful, happily ever after. But it is a journey because it's two broken people mm -hmm. who probably have two very different life experiences, cultural yep. experiences. Yep. Like even if they're from the same broad culture, like you could have two people that just someone's experienced upper class culture, middle class culture. Someone's experienced city culture and country culture. Like there's so many subsets of mm -hmm. culture that can shape your expectations and your plans and your hopes and your dreams and how you achieve those things. Then right. you get into personalities and then you get in. So these two people have to find and a way to woman. journey. Right. And you're man and woman. You're not the same. You're not meant to be the same. And so you're doing, taking all this and now let's, we're supposed to be one and journey together. And yep. it's like a three-legged race, right? <laughs> if you are in perfect stride, you can make some movement. You could get pretty fast. But if one person's trying to walk one way and one's walking the other, but your legs tied together, yep. like all you do is you stumble and you fall. And I think sometimes we see that stumbling and falling and we take that as evidence that, well, we must not be in love or we must not right. be meant for each other, or this must not that. be able to work, right? Because mm -hmm. again, the movies say that, yeah, there'll be a couple hardships, but you always come around. You always... yep. But when, you're, when you've scraped your knees for the 20th time on the pavement, and yep. you think it's because your spouse was pulling you the wrong way, because you knew you were going the right way, right? Yep. Ah, it gets a little hard. And so it's a journey. It's a, it's a decision to journey, to keep on stepping in. Yeah, I think there are plenty of people that hear these broad sweeps of our stories right. of the story of leave, you know, losing my job and then she chooses to leave her job. And then we go, I didn't mention this, but the place that God sent us was Hawaii. <laughs> like oh, that's rough. where we did our DTS. So yeah, you know, it's like, that was, <laughs> I never thought I would ever go to Hawaii in my life. <laughs> Cause I, again, was going to work in ministry, right? We didn't have the money for that. God made it like, and so people are hearing this. Oh my gosh, the Grangers. Wow. But whoo. Man, there were some hard knee scraping moments. I mean, right now I'm recollecting moments where I was like literally on my knees. Like, God, why are you doing this? Like, God, what, why have you not fixed this? God, in Hawaii. why is she in, in Hawaii and outreach before and after? Right. Like, yeah. because we were being invited by God into a hard, mm, let me take that back. We are being invited by God into a call but it was going to take sacrifice. Right. Right. Yep. And anytime you're stepping into something that's going to cost you, your defenses are up. Yes. Your assumption of what needs to happen is intensified. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing, you know, God makes it very clear what marriage is supposed to look like. And specifically for the husbands, husbands, you're supposed to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Mm -hmm. And when I think of how Christ loved the church, I have to ask myself, well, how did the church interact with him? And I think of Judas betraying Jesus. I think yep. of Peter denying Jesus. I think of the number of times Jesus made something clear and they were still like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yep, the exactly. number of times he proved himself to them 
he did miracles. And they're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. And then at the end, when he was explicitly clear that he had to die, but he would come back, he died and they all just moped away, mm-hmm. brokenhearted because Jesus must not have been who we thought he was, right? This is the kind of stuff that he was dealing with. And we didn't even get into the direct opposition. We didn't get into the actual like people who proclaim to believe in God who literally beat him, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus loved them. Mm-hmm. He died for them. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was patient with them. He continued to give them multiple chances. Yes. He continued to act in like loving ways by providing for them. And this is the invitation that I'm given as a husband to my wife, who, by the way, I believe God invited me to love her. Like, I believe that was an invitation God gave me. Hey, I want you to love my daughter well. That was the invitation that I received. Then I made vows to lock myself into that for life. And then after we started going and we had our first moment of like going in opposite directions and slipping and scraping the knees, it became very easy for me to say, man, like I'm trying really hard, but like, it seems like she, or man, I know we need to go this direction, but she believes or all this kind of stuff. And meanwhile, God's like, my invitation to you was to love my daughter well not to go where you think you're supposed to go or get there at the same speed. And this is, I mean, because this is what's hard, right? Like Mm -hmm. when we were making the decision about the family DTS, initially I was on board for it and she was not, we were not on the same page, Mm -hmm. but it could be very easy for me to say, but I know what needs that. I know why this would be good for our family. In fact, like in a way I could say I would have been right because we ended up doing it and right. ended up being amazing. Right. So retroactively, I could say, well, I was right. No, like even if you're right in the moment doesn't mean that you're going about it in the right way or right. that you're going towards the right thing because- And lovingly. God wasn't calling us to a place. He was calling us to him. Mm-hmm. God invited Abraham to be a father, but it, fatherhood wasn't the goal. That was the whole invitation of him saying, why don't you go ahead and kill Isaac now? Like, because if fatherhood <laughs> was the goal, then- that would be ridiculous. He would say to God, point blank, no, I will not sacrifice my son. This is why Peter reprimanded Jesus. No, you can't die. Because in his <laughs> yes. mind, yes. Jesus's destination was a certain thing. Mm-hmm. His invitation was not to tell Jesus what to do. It was to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, follow me into death. But he was so attached to what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, what it's supposed to look like that he missed the invitation to just walk in step behind Jesus. Mm-hmm. I know I, I was going down the river one time in a kayak with some friends and this one couple, they were fairly newly married. Every rapid we hit, they're about class two rapids. So they're pretty, mm-hmm. they're pretty gnarly, but not bad. Yeah. They hit every rapid either backwards or sideways. They're in a two person at the end. They were uh-huh. like, you should do this with your premarital couples. <laughs> I was like, that is a great idea. Cause it's kind of yeah. like the three, three legged race. If you are not in sync, the truth is, is in marriage, we're not always in sync. Yeah. And if yeah. I love the picture you painted there of you were right, but it wasn't about that. It was, you're mm-hmm. on a journey and you're here and your wife came to a point and she, in a sense, kind of submitted not to you, but to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you guys mm-hmm. moved into that next stage. Cause it could have gone very different. Yeah. My parents, yeah. when they left the mission field, when they, when they, I was a senior entering my senior year of high school, the worst time ever to leave and move to another mm. country. When they came back, my mom had a routine checkup um, that she would have had 11 months later. She was 11 months out to have that next checkup because of previous breast cancer to find out she had cancer again. Oh, wow. And we realized that if we had waited, if we had disobeyed at that point, she probably would not have lived. Mm-hmm. This could have been a destiny. So like, sometimes you don't get that kind of clear, like, whoa, if we had disobeyed, the consequences could have been drastic. Yeah. And so it's like, how, how do you know you it's huge steps of faith. And then it's together as a couple. I don't believe God calls a couple in two different directions, mm-hmm. but I think, like you said, the wrestling it out and struggling together is actually what it's the iron sharpens iron. It's what grows us. It would, what yeah. deepens our faith. Um, yeah. But a lot of couples, I think, don't take any risks. Yeah, they just well and stay stay things in just the nice little middle class kind of. Yeah. 
when if they do take risks, sometimes it's from a a misaligned understanding of what the destination is or what should happen. Right. Right. Like I had this random thought in the kitchen. I don't know why I had this thought, but the thought was, you know, when we die and get to heaven, I think that the way we operate is that our primary focus and we, I'm just doing a broad sweep of we, but for a lot of people, the primary focus is your career and doing your job well. And there are a lot of people, even believers, who would do their job well at the expense of their relationships, at the expense of their marriage, expense of their parenthood. So true. And, and there can be really good reasons. Like, I've got to provide for my family, or I've got to do this so that we can, can rest, or I've got to do, like, there can be legitimately good reasons. But this thought was, you know, we die, we get to heaven. I think God is more inclined to ask me if I loved his daughter well, than if I did that one job well, right? right. That I had for five years at this period of time. Yep. Now this isn't to say we shouldn't work hard. We shouldn't, I think we make an idol out of work sometimes yes. and we gotta be careful with that. But my primary call, my primary call is to love God and love others. And when you look at scripture, when Paul talks about marriage, he gets into, he's like, look, I, I wish you could be like me and just be single. Cause I, you know, you can 100% focus on that. If you're married, you've also got to focus on your spouse. Like one of the things that he's saying in that is explicitly naming that the invitation is the, the relationship with your spouse is now up here, right? In this, in this total pole. And it, no matter how important your ministry is, you are now called to love your spouse. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard because sometimes you have to make decisions out of love for your spouse that may seem like it's going to cost your ministry. But if you prioritize your ministry over your spouse at that point, then you might not actually be doing ministry anymore. You might right. be doing nonprofit work with the guise of ministry because God has called you to something that you are negating in order to do this. But it, it is hard because sometimes you might be, quote, right, unquote, yeah. <laughs> um, I I, I think of another time where my son was going to be going into kindergarten and we live in a community that has a high level of poverty, of unemployment, of addictions, of overdoses, of gun violence. Um, God gave clear invitations for me to come into this space, as I mentioned, provided a house. Mm-hmm. So I know that for this season, this is where I'm supposed to be. And one of the ways that I can love my community well is by supporting, for example, the local schools. Because what happens, uh, you know, for anybody listening, I am white, my community is predominantly black. And what can often happen is people who are like me, who are well-meaning and white and believers may come into a community, but then when it comes time for their kids to go to schools, the schools are struggling in the community for all kinds of reasons. And so they send the kids elsewhere and there's this opportunity to support the schools, but it's a hard call, right? Because right. what right. if the school sure. is legitimately struggling? And so we wrestled with this. My wife's a teacher, so she knows a lot about schools. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> she yep. cares a lot about good education. The, we knew there were challenges because of underfunding, understaffing uh, at the school that my son was zoned for. But in addition to that, this school building was 80 or so years old. Wow. and was in rough shape. My friend worked there for five years, developed uh, new allergies he never had, developed migraines, developed all kinds of things that disappeared oh, wow. when he stopped working there. Oh, wow. So we, you know, there, we ended up having pretty significant reasons to not go to his own school. But I remember we were praying about it and I still felt this lean for him to go to his own school. That was not based on logic, <laughs> but no. I just was like, no, no, I feel like this is what God's putting in my heart. I don't feel peace about the other ones. My wife had the complete opposite. Absolutely mm-hmm. not that school, but here's this school. I didn't feel peace about this school. And so we had to make a decision. And it was the Sunday on Wednesday, we had to make a decision. And at church, I decided I'm going to go up and get a pastor and spiritual father of mine to pray for me because he knows the story. And it was a, it was a beautiful moment of God showing himself because I was walking up there and before I could even reach him, when I first started walking, I, I was going to ask him to pray that we would have wisdom on what decision to make, which right. school are we supposed to go to before I arrived there? God had prompted my heart that what I needed to get my pastor Don to pray was that I would support and love my wife and whatever she chose. 
And when I told him that he got so excited because this is what we're talking about is love it. It's not about which is the right school, mm-hmm. which is the right ministry, which is the right job, which is the right house, which the invitation that I've been given is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And so the decision that we ended up making ended up being fine, had some issues, still wasn't what I would have chosen, but I had to release that. I had to hold right. that loosely exactly, because the greater call was loving my wife. And the greater call. I've thought about that often. The mm-hmm. greater call. <laughs> That's so the important. greater call. The greater call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, when we're talking about kids, this stuff matters for that because it doesn't matter what we teach our kids if we're not actually living that out authentically. It doesn't matter what we teach them about God if we're not actually in an authentic relationship where we are seeing him for who he is. I facilitated community Bible study, and we were talking about this concept of suffering. And, you know, if we say God is God, he's powerful. And if we say God is good, that he's loving, then how can suffering exist? Like this has been the generations long dilemma, because if God was good, he wouldn't let bad things happen. And if he's powerful, he would stop them from happening. So the fact that suffering exists, what does that mean? And one of the things that we talked about is that suffering for us, like we're thinking about all these elements of suffering, but from God's perspective, they're all things that are going to fade away. Mm -hmm. Like we're thinking very temporally. He's thinking eternally. And so while I'm suffering in this moment because I lost my job and God's like, man, in your lifetime, you could have dozens of jobs. Like you're going to have dozens of years. Like you're, you're getting so caught up and I know it's hard, but if you could see it from my perspective. And so we're wrestling through this and one of the guys at the table was like, okay, but how do you communicate this with somebody? How do you get them to see and understand that? Because this has been a generation's long dilemma. And one of the things I said was, this is the problem. Like you can't prove that because we approach things intellectually. Right. And there's a limit to that because the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Mm -hmm. So intellect will only get you, but so far convincing someone debating is only going to get you so far. What really does it is relationship. So you mentioned this earlier about people listening can hear these stories and and where do they go with this? How do they respond to this? If they take it in a prescriptive way, right? Oh, well, when Paul had this situation and then he lost his job and he didn't fight for it. So therefore, no, that's not, that's not the answer. (laughs) The answer isn't, you know, to just get fired because what happened to me was wrong. But what I knew is my answer was, to know who God was and to be who he called me to be, to be listening to him so intently that when those thoughts came in my head of how to defend myself, I could hear God saying in a whisper, don't do that. Right. And so relationship with God allows us to actually know the depth of what he's saying, because when it comes to intellectual knowledge, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had that on lock. Mm -hmm. They had superior intellectual knowledge of who God was but they couldn't even recognize God when he was in human form in their presence. Right. Right. And so this is, this is the invitation for husbands and wives is the more that you strive to know God personally and authentically, Mm -hmm. the more you can understand what he means when he says to love your spouse. Mm -hmm. And the more that you come to know your spouse authentically, the more you can see read between the lines of those highlight moments, those hard moments, those snapping moments, those heartbreaking moments to see the person made in the image of God that God invited you to love. Because this is why when God called me to love my wife, I really felt like what he was saying is I want you to love my daughter because that's a whole other level, right? I'm not just loving a person. Like that's the the daughter of the almighty king. (laughs) Like how do you treat a king's daughter? What do you do? What do you not do with a king's daughter? And so we're, you know, if I understand who God is, that can help me to understand who she is and who I am and can shape those moments when we inevitably will still go in different directions or try to go in different directions on that road. But it can help us to know how to not blame each other, how to not hit each other, how to not pull on each other, how to not just sit on the ground and defeat, how to not sever the ties. And rather how to dust ourselves off, stand up, even if we're still hurting, 
even if mm-hmm. we're still angry and still take steps, even if we're still frustrated with the other, because we know that God is after abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And think of the different economy of what that is in our world. It's tit for tat. It's, you know, what I can get out of it. And when God's economy, it's an economy of put yourself last. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the opposites, basically it's die to self. And it's yeah. to me, the die to self one is probably one of the ones that I mean, bugs me the most in the sense of what people are not willing to do anymore. It's getting worse and worse. No, 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 no. It's my truth or it's you do you or things like that. And I'm like, wow, you are the epitome of focus on self. And so to find that space of when I can surrender that, I actually am now invited into not only a relationship with Christ, but others. Because I, I think there's no marriage that can make it if we actually live the way that we're, in a sense, kind of through the fall, wired, self-centered, mm-hmm. self-serving, self-focused, self-gratification versus to love my wife, to love my community, to love. And, and then again, back to that prescriptive word. I work mm-hmm. with, I'm a you know counselor, coach, um, professor, um, I work with people that are homeschool families, that are private school families, that are public school families, and the problems are on every single one. We homeschool our yeah. kids. And it's amazing the community where at times it's the attitude, oh, if you loved your kids, you'd homeschool them. It's mm-hmm. like, have you seen the families? Like they're just as messed up and their kids yeah. are just as messed up. So it's like, that's not it. And if you dive into the people's stories you start seeing that a lot of people choose the thing they do out of fear actually yeah and so like when we actually chose to homeschool we were in georgia and you know almost every teacher was a christian and but it was more out of survival as a family because i was in and out of hospitals at the time it was we were just trying to make it and then it's now been our oldest is in 10th grade it's been you know 10 years later and we're still doing it why because we found Mm -hmm. an incredible community in it and, and to see that every family has to navigate this together and that the answers yeah. that they're going to get are different. When I do premarital yeah. counseling, um, I'm blown away as I walk through contraception and the choices on that area. And to see every couple ends in a different place. And, but I help them think through the biblical approach, say theology of contraception, mm-hmm. where I don't tell you what to do. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say. And so there's certain things we can look at scripture and go, that's the answer. There is no debate, but there's other Mm -hmm. things we have to wrestle with. And then I think, like you said too, about like the decision, um, there's not a right or wrong. Sometimes it's just pick one. And you actually picked the one of, I am to love my wife. When, even if the decision that you make is not the best, or there probably could have been a better one. That's not the point. If we're not careful, we turn into that. See, I told you if we could have, should, should have done this. And it's like, now you just broke relationship. You broke fellowship. So how to be in communion community with your spouse and then your family. Cause so describe to me though, the, the DTS, that time Mm -hmm. of the time away. And I think you said you have a lot of this on your podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. So the entire second season, my Mm -hmm wife and I, and sometimes just me actually tried to capture each week. We, we miss some weeks, but we try to capture the whole oh, experience neat. in the whole season. Oh, and neat. what happens in a DTS is the first three months are training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that means is the first week, for example, was how to hear the voice of God. Right. And you spend the whole week sitting in that. And then the second week I think was father heart of God. And so each week has these, so you're walking through a because- curriculum. You're like walking so- through a curriculum thematically i think there are some dts's that use a curriculum with the family dts it's such a new thing and it's so different right how you go about these topics with an 18 year old is one thing (laughs) how you go about it with somebody who's grown and has a bunch of grown kids right like and so what they do is they bring in speakers who are actually living these things out in their lives nice and you do this as a community of families you explore these topics and in some really beautiful ways and so Oh, so you're doing this you with go, other families at the same time. Yes. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize so that. Oh, I love that. We had, I think, 17 families. It was in the teens, how many families we had in ours. And wow. I'm talking families from the States, from Canada, from Norway, 
you know, from mm-hmm. all over. Oh, that is amazing. And, and it's such, yeah, it's a really beautiful experience. And from the couple that had like gotten married just weeks before to <laughs> yeah. the couple whose kids were all grown and everything mm-hmm. in between. And so the idea is that you're experiencing this as a family because there's other options where you could do it as just the couple and put the kids somewhere. But the kids are actually learning through this stuff in their own environment for part of the day. And then you come together and you do a lot of things together. You actually do some practical things like um, going out and praying for people together. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the three months, you know, there's been periods where each family has prayed to ask, where, where do you want to send us for the outreach? And there's a few options. And then you go in different groups. We'll go to, you know, Uganda or wherever, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And you do that for a couple months and then you come back. Oh, and that's amazing. And it's a wild ride for sure. Um, with a lot of unknowns and a lot of having to trust God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like, you know, even a Christian summer camp, you get this experience when you are separated out from your normal environment. Yep. And when you are engaging in intentional community. That's how God's designed us to be, is to be where he's, wherever he invites us to go, even if it's to leave Egypt and go walking towards a promised land, like, and then to be in community, right? Like then beautiful things can happen just naturally as we are created. But when you are doing that in a spiritual context, oh man, abundantly more can happen. And so it was a powerful and unique experience. So definitely check out your second season of your podcast. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful journey. Um, I wish everyone could go through something like that where you can kind of pull away and really focus. Um, a lot of families, most families really they're pulling away is Disney world or some really, really, really busy, busy, busy vacation that then they need a vacation from when they get home. (laughs) Right. Cause vacationing with kids. It's it's not always vacation. I remember the first week, you know, we go camping a lot. And so I remember the first time I was actually able, I had bought a hammock years uh-huh. ago. You can't sit in a hammock with kids. You're constantly no. hurting cats with kids on camping trips. The first time I was able to yeah. sit in a hammock, take a nap, read a book and stay there. I was like, wow, I actually have older kids now. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for that because when I get in a hammock, they immediately jump in with yep. me, which is fun and cute. But also, I kind of just wanted to take just a, a nap. That's yeah, all. Exactly. I just wanted, just wanted a little nap. <laughs> yeah. But I did want to say, you know, I, I think you're right. Like what we experienced was a powerful experience. Getting away as a family can be a powerful thing if you're doing it, like not just as a vacation, like you said, but finding intentional space to get away to seek God together as a family. Because one, we struggle to actually believe that's possible, that we yeah. as a family unit can seek God together. Like individually, we think individually more often than not. Maybe if we're maturing enough, then we'll think as a couple, but it's hard for us to think that my three-year-old can seek God. My six-year-old, my nine-year-old can seek God. But the reality is, is they can. Jesus says, come to me as little children. Jesus knew something about children's capacity to seek and understand him. Because what, if we're honest, we should be able to realize is we got a lot of baggage. We've got a lot of doubts we built up about God. We've got a lot of things that kids don't have, right? Because they don't have a lifetime of misunderstandings and misalignments. But what I would say is the truth is, is yeah. And the truth is, is that not every family can just pick up and go. Now, one thing I will say is if anybody's hearing the DTS thing and they're like, I'd love to do that, but we just could never do that. I want to stop that right there because you, you don't make that cut. You don't make that call. God does. Like I, you know, like I said, it's like you guys, you couldn't do it. There's no way we couldn't afford it. We we didn't even want to do it. We didn't have the time. Yeah. And and we did it because we saw God on it and we felt God given the invitation. So one thing I would say is if God's giving you an invitation to that or something like it, anything else that's trying to tell you that's not possible is just a lie. Right. Because God can provide money out of the mouth of a fish. God could provide a way where there wasn't a way through the ocean. God can do whatever he wants to do to make it happen. But that is not the gold standard of how you connect to God as a family. Right. The reality is, is that every single family can find simple ways to connect with God. And it could be as simple as when you were eating dinner together, just taking a few minutes to say, Hey, all right, let's just, you know, where'd you see God today? Yeah, right. That question. Now, there's a question again. 
it's a simple question, right? I love it's it. It's really simple. Oh, I love it. Kids can understand that. Now you got to be ready that it may be a different experience for an 11 year old to answer versus a three year old to answer. <laughs> um, but you can also, you know, make space for their own journeying towards God because that when you first, first of all, when the parent answers the question, they are demonstrating it. And in other words, they are discipling. And what were we you're, called to do? We're called to go and make disciples. Me. You're, you're actually really putting me on the spot because like, as I'm <laughs> listening to you, I'm just thinking how powerful that one question is that, yes, you might ask it with your, your family, whatever the kid's age is. And yes, at first they might not have an answer, but now that the question's mm -hmm. in their mind, they're like you said, they're watching. Yeah. They're going to begin seeing things that they did not see before. Mm -hmm. So you come back to that question over and over. My wife and I and family, our three kids spent 15,000 miles in an RV last year. Mm -hmm. So we went to Virginia and back from Oregon. So coast to coast and then Texas, a different trip. And we do it every summer because our family, we live in Oregon, our family's in Texas and in Georgia. So we ended up buying an RV. We spent one of the trips was three weeks because I'm mm -hmm. off in the summer. And to think at how amazing that was, but how much better it could have been if it was more intentional. Yeah. Like, so now you're, you're yeah. challenging me and it's, it hurts. <laughs> like it's and, like, oh. and that's, I was going to hurt you today. That was, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to cause pain for Corey. Uh, well, and this is so the thing. True. It's like, we got to come back to this reality of journey as well, because yeah. again, we get fixated on the right way, the right answer, the yeah. right thing. And in all of that, God is just inviting us to be in relationship with him and relationship with others. And so it's not about what is the, what is the best way to do this? It's fine. One. God, just pray like, God, how can our family grow closer to you together? Well, and like, the one you mentioned, simple prayer like the one you mentioned, the one that is actually being lost in our, our society dinner together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one, I actually had my students last night in class. I was teaching a family systems class last night. And I was like, how many of you had, you know, dinner very regularly as a family, half the class raised their hands. I was like, wow, that's, mm -hmm. that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's becoming yeah. less normal. Yeah. Actually, I've even heard some builders say they're stopping even putting a dining room in, in new homes in some places because mm -hmm. the, it's a room that doesn't get used. So yeah. why not? It's more casual space. eating as you go. And yeah, well, and let's say, let's say somebody's listening and they have a legitimate reason. It's work schedules or this, yeah. that, or the other. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean that's the only space in which a right. family can see that together, exactly. right? And so, you know, start here's somewhere. a simple thing. Yeah, start somewhere like, what could it look like to find simple things to pray about together? You know, uh, you find out a family member's sick. Hey, can we just get together for a minute? Let's just pray together for so-and-so, yeah. right? Because that's another thing that we we don't do well. <laughs> like, not just in families. Like, my goodness, how many churches struggle to get people to come to their prayer meetings? Yeah. Right? Like, we struggle to pray together. Um, some of it, you know, and especially if you have really young kids and it's hard to get them to focus because that obviously, honestly, <laughs> was one of the big challenges during our family DTS. Our kids were very young, like five and under at the yep. time. Yep. And so- we're watching all these other families seem to be thriving because their kids are engaging. Our kid is refusing to do anything and storming off. And yep. the other kid like isn't old enough to understand. The other one's not even walking yet, yep. right? It's like, we oh, can't see God as a family. No, 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 no. Like it's not about doing the right thing. It's about seeking God yep. authentically and just continuing to step. And so what we realized is there were things that we did trying to walk in obedience that seemed like it failed for us. Up, oh, the kids didn't even know how to answer that question. Up, oh, they got angry. Mm -hmm. But then we came to find out later that they actually were paying attention and listening. They didn't yes, even realize. Yes, it. yes. But some, a seed was planted. Yes. One of my favorite stories is, and this is for me a beautiful story of how God can actually work through kids and how we as adults can miss the mark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we one of the activities that, that we would do as families was called a treasure hunt. And the idea was. Everybody made in the image of God is, is treasured by him. And he wants us to find his treasure. So what you're going to do as a family is you're just going to pray and say, hey, God, is there anyone you want us to talk to? And then you pray. Anything that pops in your mind, you write it down, even if it seems crazy. Yeah. The color blue popped in my mind. I don't know. That's oh, yeah. because I'm wearing blue. Great. Uh, it's just <laughs> my head. Right. Whatever it is, you write it down. 
And then we would go down to this public space and look for our, the treasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me, like this old man's, like a picture of an old man popped in my head. Very random. I was confident it was just my imagination, but I sketched it down. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to try to be obedient, but pretty sure this is just my imagination and I'm not going to see him. My son saw like blue coat, gray hair. And we start walking down. It's starting to rain. My son is getting like, he was really struggling with like transition and anger at the time. And so he was, by the time we got to the space, he was done. Like we hadn't even started. He was, he was losing it. And as parents, like, man, this is frustrating. This is embarrassing. This is, uh, oh man, like this isn't going to work out. I mean, maybe we should just go back. And we're in this space when suddenly I see the old man. Now I'm, it's just different enough that I'm like, this is coincidence. But is it? No, this yep. can't be. But what if it is? And I wrestle back and forth, so mm-hmm. convinced that it couldn't actually be God putting a picture in my mind that he was gone. And then I'm like, ah, man, did I just ruin that? Then we start keep walking, walking around. My wife had seen like a certain type of hat and she saw some woman wearing the hat. And she's like, hey, we're doing this thing. And, you know, I prayed and saw a hat and I wanted to see if there's anything you want prayer for. And she just said no and walked away because it sounded weird to her. And my wife's embarrassed now. Like I just made a fool of myself. And so the adults are done. It's downpouring. My son starts freaking out because there through the torrential rain walking across the sh- down the street is a woman with gray hair wearing a blue coat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's, maybe there's lots of them, <laughs> but it's torrential downpour. But he's, he's going, I was like, okay. Well, we're not going to walk on to the rain. So I was like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Well, let's pray that she'll come to us. And then, then we'll know that it's God. He wasn't putting up with that nonsense, like work around. <laughs> he pulled me out into the rain mm-hmm. and I'm putting a hand up to my wife. Y'all stay back. They're too far ahead for us to catch. But my son is insistent because he had prayed. He saw mm-hmm. blue coat, gray hair. And wouldn't you know it? This truck way ahead starts trying to back out. And it's such a torrential downpour. It can't see. So the couple actually stops to help the truck back out, get out of the parking lot, just long enough for us to catch up to them. And wouldn't you know it, right where we caught up to them, there was a big overhang of a hotel. And mm-hmm. so we're in the dry, open area, just us. And then I have to work up my nerves because I'm like, this is a weird thing that we're doing. Yep. <laughs> right? This is yep. weird. Yep. What are yep. we doing? Yep. I'm like, okay, hey, this might sound weird, but we're with YWAM and we were praying and my son saw this. And so we wanted to see if there's anything you want to pray for. And they were just so touched. And they're like, mm-hmm. yes, we actually need prayer for our daughter. This was the beautiful thing is my son was the one who pulled me into the downpour. Yep. I was the one making up excuses yep. to not talk chills. to my person, oh, got not chills. talk to his person. Oh. And here's the even more beautiful thing. Not only did God work through a kid, he mm-hmm. worked through a kid who was having a meltdown yep. that didn't want to be there. Oh, love it. Right? I love it. I love it. I love it. So as long as we think our capacity to serve God is based on our age or our intellect or our capacity or our mood. Yep. It's as so long true. as we think our invitation to love our spouse is based on any of these factors. Yep. As oh, long as we it. think our invitation yep. to use our life is based, we're going to hit balls. Yep. But the moment we realize that we could be like the apostle Paul and say, well, I prayed for this thing to go and God didn't take it away because he said in my weakness, he is strong. So I'll boast in my weaknesses all the more. Like the decision Paul made was to keep stepping towards God, despite the fact that he had murdered Christians in his past, despite the fact that he had had a successful life and now was in prison, despite the fact that his best intentions were met with people questioning whether he was actually authentic, whether they could even trust him, right? He stepped forward. We can step forward in what it means to love our wives, our husbands. We can step forward in what it means to love our kids. We can step forward in what it means to love God forever and together, yep. <laughs> whether we think we can or not, because it's not about capacity. It's about willingness. Mm-hmm. And we all have the capacity to be willing. Yep. <laughs> we just don't always want to. Yep. It's amazing how kids can bring that out. Like, I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for my kids want to wring their neck sometimes, too, or a lot of times, especially two teenagers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, they're the ones that, like, like last week when we went and we were out um, just, you know, stuck in our RV for a few days and, you know, no TV, nothing, just, you know, games and it, it disrupts routine, but it enters into a new, a weird, different us. I actually mm-hmm. think the calling that I'm thinking to say here on this podcast to kind of talk about is 
you need to get outside of your routine. We need to actually find ways to disrupt some of the comforts and disrupt some of the ways that we just do the same old, same old because new parts of us come out that we've kind of just left in the back or even locked in the back with our husband as a husband and wife, you need to date each other, you need to pursue each other, but also as a family. And then I love the question, then where do you see God? Mm-hmm. If you really, as I'm thinking about this, if I really keep that at the forefront of my mind, I see every day so different. Yeah. Um, from my interaction with clients and students, but also other parts of life. I kind of think of the drive through window. When you go through a drive through which isn't healthy, so don't do that. But when you go through <laughs> a drive through you've got just a few seconds or a few minutes, depending on how good or bad they are serving, to bless that person in that window. That you have no idea how bad of a day they're having or how hard they have it or how suicidal they might be. And are you going to love them and smile and be kind? And if they make a mistake, say no problem, it's okay. And how you treat someone, actually how much that matters. And that's our, yeah. we, we are meant to be set apart and different. That's a way that we should be um, different. Yeah. Our kids are watching. They're watching mm-hmm. how we handle conflict. They're watching how we handle being passed over for a promotion or mm-hmm. not getting what I feel like I want or deserve. Um, like they're mm-hmm. watching everything. I love that you went through the DTS with kids so little and how much it yeah. shaped you and changed you guys too. Mm-hmm. It's going to be neat to see though, like five years from now, even what do you guys yeah. do to continue to do that with your kids at that age? And then the later, like each stage, because we're in a different stage. We have 14, 16, 14 and 11 year old boy, boy, girl, man, mm-hmm. it's a different world. Cause you're dealing with like, I've got these two teenage boys that are taller than me and mm-hmm. they have their own mind, their own opinion, their own worldview. And it's like, we butt heads. And how do you continue to disciple? How do you continue to grow them? And also realizing that as a parent, I need to build community around them where I have others investing in them, not just me. Yeah. And so we do that yeah. through Boy Scouts. We do that through our homeschool co-op, our youth group at our church. There's so many mm-hmm. places we do that. And that each family, even listening to this, is actually being called to a different place in that. It may be your local school that you need to not just be dropping your kids off at the school. You need to be, which if they're in school, you better be, be involved in the school. Mm-hmm. Be heavily involved in that school. Don't just attend a church. Be a part of that church community. You know, every single, if you're in a, not if, wherever you live, be a part of that neighborhood. Be a part of that yeah. Um, everywhere you're at is such a, an important thing. And then same question, where did you see God? Yeah. I love that. And is that the title really, of your podcast? Yes. It's okay. Yeah. And uh, www.wheredidyouseegod.com. You can find that and other things yes. too that I've written. Um, but the big thing that I would say is if somebody's hearing this, it can feel and sound overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing I could say, two things. One like we noted before with the apostle Paul's words, it's not about our strength or power. Like God can give you the power and the capacity to take these steps, but two, just start simple. Just, just yep. one simple step. Just because yep. we can see the big, we hear the big stories more than we hear the small stories. Right. 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 So then it becomes an unattainable thing. Just start everyone simple. listening needs to quit their job and then needs to yeah. go into <laughs> YWAM. <laughs> <laughs> Live off of support, no. no paycheck. Exactly. No, yeah, it's so, and here's the beautiful thing, because the great commission is to go into all the world and make disciples, right? So one that can happen within your homes and it happens when you are authentically seeking God, like you are demonstrating to your kids what that looks like. Yeah. Having functional touch point ways to practice that together only deepens that, but mm-hmm. also just living it like it's, even if you don't see the fruit, God is working. But then when you are taking these simple steps, then the family you're hanging out with or the family at the park are going to see these simple things. And suddenly God is accessible for them, right? Because they might not have thought they could leave their job and go into missions, but they sure can like pray for that guy that's sitting on the bench. They sure can like talk about God in conversation. Like these are simple things. So take simple steps towards God together, trusting that God can take you farther than you could have gone on your own. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. 
And so to support you and to, you know, those that are interested in even supporting you, I mean, you've got, if you go to where did you see God.com, you have your podcast, you have some free resources, videos, your, you said your second season specifically of your podcast is emphasis on the, the DTS and that time, that season, um, videos, writings that you have, you've got a lot there. So definitely check out, uh, where did you see God.com to support Paul Granger and his family and, um, support them in prayer. Also financially, um, there's a lot of good stuff here as I look over your website and beautiful family. Oh, I love the little oh, kiddos. They're cute the, kids. <laughs> amazing. So, such, so blessed. such a blessing. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any final words to wrap us up? Yeah. I just want to reiterate, uh, if, if you're listening to this, God sees you mm-hmm. right now. He knows you and he loves you. He created you in his image. And those can all sound like Christianese platitude words, but I mean them authentically. Yes. Like, no matter how bad you think you are, how far from God you think you are, how off track you think you are, God is with you right now and loves you deeply and is inviting you to come. That passage, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> like The passage is where Jesus says, come and follow me. Like it's, it's that simple. It's simply an invitation. And don't get caught up on how hard it will be or how big of a step or any of those things. Don't get caught up on if you think you do or don't deserve it. Just take a little step. Just take a little step towards God and then ask yourself where you saw God in that and then take another. Nice. Well, thank you, Paul. So good to meet you and talk with you and love what you're doing. Um, Bless you in your ministry and look forward to future conversations even. Likewise. Thank you so much for what you're doing. This is great. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.